The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from the Carter Subaru studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. Welcome to the weekend. It's a Friday afternoon edition of The Dory Monson Show. Jam-packed show for you today. Coming up at 1230, I'm going to talk to... The woman who wanted to be the mother, she was the foster mom, for Oakley Carlson, the little girl who has been missing for one year now. This week marks the sad one-year anniversary of Oakley Carlson going missing, and it's just another outrageous failure by the state of Washington of how we're taking care of our kids. Also, a fan favorite, Bob the Barber. Stag Barbershop in Snohomish. You may recall, Bob, when Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson said that he had to give the state $96,000 because he kept his barbershop open during COVID. He said he had to. Bob's 82 years old. He has a disabled daughter. He only employs disabled vets at the shop. They needed to feed their families. And Bob Ferguson and Jay Inslee say they want $96,000. Now, you may recall that uh, last time we talked to Bob, he did send the state of Washington a promissory note. He wrote it on toilet paper because that's what he thinks of their $96,000 fine. Well, now we are seeing that other states are forgiving COVID fines, Virginia being the most recent one, because they were draconian, and it turns out they were wrong. They just didn't make any sense at all. So I'm going to talk to Bob. I'm going to see if Jay Inslee has approached him about forgiving his fine. I'm going to see what the status of his toilet paper promissory note is. And then uh, Tom Nelson's going to join us from the outdoor line. John Curley is going to drop by. It is a jam-packed show. Let's get right to The Big Lead. The Big Lead. Top story. It's a very sad one-year anniversary that is happening this week because it was a year ago when we found out that Oakley Carlson was missing. Uh, it was reported a year ago. She's been missing more than this, but or more than the one year. But uh, this week marked the one-year anniversary. The search continues. Uh, Her sixth birthday would have been this week as well. Her biological parents continue to not cooperate with the investigators at all. But Oakley's foster family says they are not giving up hope. They have raised $85,000 reward for anyone who can help find Oakley Carlson. And it's just as sad as stories get, but it's another tremendous failure of the state of Washington when they had a chance to protect this little girl, to keep her with the foster family that loved her, but instead they returned her to the biological parents that everybody knew were as dangerous as can be. Her foster mom is Jamie Jo Hiles, and she told Fox 13 they thought that they were going to get Oakley for good. A year ago today, we were told that we would be getting Oakley back. So, yeah, so um, I got a call while I was at school um, from DCYF asking if I could take Oakley's younger sibling and if I could take Oakley when they found her. So... We went a whole day, went a whole day um, thinking that Oakley was coming back to us. But how did the state of Washington let this happen? How could they return 
this five-year-old girl to biological parents who everybody knew were so dangerous, and that's what everyone's trying to figure out. When somebody says, how did that happen? How did, how did Washington State allow that? Good question, because I've asked myself that, too. Her biological parents, Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers, they were uncooperative throughout the investigation. They were arrested on child endangerment charges related to one of their other biological children. And the state of Washington took Oakley away from a loving foster family and put her with dangerous biological parents. Uh, Our friend David Rose at Fox 13, he talked with state DCYF and Child Protective Services, but they won't say anything. The agency, your agency, telling us that because of the privacy laws, they're not going to respond. That's correct. That's what they're saying, and I'm going to say the same thing here. So they're hiding behind these so-called privacy laws so that they can try to cover up the state's role in this little girl, very likely, having been murdered, although her foster parents are still holding out hope. But Jamie Joe, the foster mom, says they warned the state of Washington. They just didn't listen. Unfortunately, with DCYF, um, they kind of just let us down because they didn't listen to our warnings. They didn't. They didn't take it seriously. They didn't take heed to what we were saying was happening. That foster mom, Jamie Joe Hiles, will join me live right after the news at the bottom of the hour at about twelve thirty-two, and we'll talk about this here on the Dory Monson Show. Up next in the big lead, the big lead, top trending. Yesterday, the story that dominated our news continues to be the big story today, and that is just the colossal failure of the Biden administration trading a man who is known as the merchant of death, one of the most deadly arms dealers in the world, a man who facilitated getting long guns, violent weapons into the hands of children in Africa as tribal feuding killed millions of people in Africa. He has been responsible for trying to obtain weaponry to kill American service members and members of our U.S. intelligence community. And as you know by now, yesterday Joe Biden traded the merchant of death, gave him back to international terrorist Vladimir Putin in exchange for WNBA basketball player Brittany Griner. I got an email from a good friend of our radio show, a regular listener, his name is Mark, and I wanted to share it with you because this really hit hard as I was reading it. Good morning, Dory. If you were imprisoned for 14 years by a country that had you had no regard for to begin with and then got released, how would your opinion be for the country that held you prisoner? And you would you be inclined to, especially based on your special abilities that got you locked up in the first place, would you try to harm those who imprisoned you? Of all the things that Biden has done to screw up this country, this may be the worst by far and definitely the most irresponsible. And he's talking about the merchant of death. We've had him locked up for 14 years. You think this guy's going to try to retaliate against the United States of America? You think that he's going to try to do what he was doing before he was locked up and get weaponry 
to kill Americans? Of course he is. That's what Victor Boot does. So now back to Mark's email. And with regard to taking Griner, a self-proclaimed hater of the USA, instead of Paul Whelan, a United States Marine Corps war veteran, this elevates Biden's decision to something that service members in the past would have potentially mutinied over. Not suggesting that this should or would happen, but as an Army veteran, Biden's decision hurts me to the very core of my most patriotic bones. And then he sent me a link that showed clarity of what he believes is an impeachable offense and decision made by Joe Biden. It has put all Americans at a much higher level of risk, both abroad and domestically. Absolutely, that is true. This guy hates America. Victor Boot. The Merchant of Death. I told you yesterday, I saw the video of him passing Brittany Griner on the tarmac at what was believed to be an airport in the United Arab Emirates yesterday. This is a guy who's going to try to unleash terror on the United States in particular and the world in general. So why did Joe Biden do this? Uh, John Kirby, one of our national intelligence advisors, Uh, this morning said, well, we just couldn't get the Marine out. The only deal that the Russians uh, were willing uh, to to, to put forward uh, was Brittany Griner for Victor Boot. And believe me, we would have liked to have both of them home today. And we tried all kinds of different permutations and and, and options um, and, and different sort of initiatives, proposals to get that done. But it just wasn't possible. The Russians, I just want to be clear on this, Dana, they never said to us, Hey, we want boot back. You get to choose uh, Americans, whether it's Brittany or Paul. They are treating Paul differently. Paul was never in that mix in their mind with respect to Mr. Boot. It was just for Brittany. So the president had a tough decision to make. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we did everything we could to get both of them, but he had an opportunity to at least get one. And so he made that tough decision and and got Brittany back home. So Joe Biden gave up the most powerful chip he had to play to try to get a United States Marine who they say has been unjustly held for four years in Russia, who's charged with espionage, wrongly charged. It's a pretense for Russia to lock him up. And Joe Biden gave up the most valuable chip he had and trades a violent international terrorist arms dealer for a WNBA player. Now, you may recall, Robert Gates, he was Barack Obama's defense secretary when Joe Biden was vice president. And Robert Gates said that Joe Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy issue for the last 40 years. Everybody in D.C. knows that Joe Biden is idiotic, with every foreign policy decision he has ever offered an opinion on. So this is not a surprise to Washington insiders that Joe Biden gave up an international terrorist for a WNBA players. Okay, so why did he do this? I told you yesterday why. And it seems to people today seem to be saying what I was saying on this show yesterday. 
But there is nothing more important to the radical left, to the Biden administration, than trying to get cachet on social media. And rescuing a white man who's a United States Marine, that's not going to get you that many hashtag plaudits. But getting a black lesbian WNBA player free from Russia, well, then you have people on TikTok and WNBA players who are going to send out tweets saying this was great. But this was all a manipulated bit of theater. You think it's a coincidence that Congress just passed the Defense of Marriage Act? You think it's a coincidence that they made this swap after the midterms and two days after the Georgia runoff Senate election? Because everybody in America recognizes how outrageous this is. There are people who are twisting themselves into pretzels trying to say, no, 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 this makes sense. But this is what the left is all about. It is only about what boxes you check. And Brittany Griner checked a couple of pretty important ones, black and lesbian. I said yesterday, we have the most incompetent White House press secretary in history right now, Corinne Jean-Pierre. But she checks the same two boxes. So she got the job. One of the guys who's in charge of where America's going to put its nuclear waste is a guy named Sam Brinton. Sam Brinton, he is a social media darling because he shaves his head, he's got a mustache, he wears bright red lipstick, and he wears big flowing gowns. Now, Sam Brinton got the job not because he's a nuclear waste disposal expert. He got the job because he's transgender. And I don't know if he identifies as transgender or as a transvestite. I do not know. But that's why Sam Brinton got the job, because he says stuff like this. Now, you know, Sam Brinton is the guy. A few weeks ago, he was caught stealing a woman's luggage at an airport. He got on a plane without any luggage himself, goes to the carousel, steals a stranger's $2,300 luggage bag, hastily takes the tag off so you could have plausible deniability if anybody said, hey, that's my bag. Then he goes to a hotel, puts all the women's clothes in the drawers of the dressers at a hotel and uh, has been wearing this other woman's clothes. He has not been fired. And now we find out today that Sam Brinton has stolen luggage again. Since that first incident. So we've got a kleptomaniac, but he also wears dresses and bright red lipstick and and says stuff like this. My name is Sam Brinton, and I serve as head of advocacy and government affairs for the Trevor Project. I find freedom to be a beautiful concept. Many of my friends say that sometimes I'm a little too free. I tend to be myself. The power of freedom is that ability to be oneself isn't necessarily hindered, but is rather celebrated. I'm a gender-fluid individual who walks the halls of Congress. Talk about the power of 
being free every day to hear my stilettos click on those marble floors and yet know that I deserve to be in that room just as much as anybody else. Okay, and Sam Brinton says that he talks about uh, the deprogramming of transgender kids and how horrible and evil that is. Uh, Now, today, there are a bunch of activists saying, yeah, we don't think anything he says is true, that he never had to be... deprogram or it's nobody tried to deprogram him uh he does puppy play he he gets his buddies and they wear leather masks that look like dog heads and then he puts them on a leash and his buddies crawl around on all fours and they call it puppy play he's not in this job because he's a nuclear waste disposable expert he's in this job because the Biden administration say, look how diverse we are. Same reason Corinne Jean-Pierre is the press secretary. The same reason Brittany Griner was more important to this administration than a United States Marine who's been held for four years. The same reason that Rachel Levine, who is our nation's assistant secretary of health, but she's transgender. Rachel Levine is a biological man. And that's all that mattered in Rachel Levine getting this job. And now the Sam Brinton, they, today we find out he stole luggage again since the first time and still has not been fired because he's got this cloak of invinci- invincibility that comes when you put on flowery, billowing dresses, apparently. But that's what's going on. I don't blame my listener, Mark. I don't blame all the U.S. military veterans who say, have we really fallen this far down the toilet hole and the rabbit hole? That unless you check some boxes, you could not matter less to this president and this administration. It's shocking stuff. We'll have more audio for you throughout the day. But for now, that is your Big Lead. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. It is another failure under Jay Inslee's leadership. Why was Oakley Carlson returned to biological parents who were so very dangerous? This week marks her one-year anniversary of being reported missing. And I will talk to the loving foster mom who hoped that Oakley would be with their family forever. That is coming up next, live here on the Dory Monson Show. This week marks a very sad anniversary. It was one year ago this week when then five-year-old Oakley Carlson was first reported missing. In fact, this week also would have been Oakley's sixth birthday. And they still have not found little Oakley. Uh, they have raised money. The people who truly love this child have raised $85,000, hoping somebody who knows what happened to Oakley Carlson will come forward. Uh, the foster family that was so loving to Oakley that wanted to take her in, they had her for three years before she was taken away. The mom, uh, the foster mom is Jamie Jo Hiles, who once again joins us live here on the Dory Monson Show. Hey, Jamie Jo, it's good to talk to you again. Hi, Dory. Thanks so much for having me back on. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting how this story has kind of flowed in the media. We all talked about it a lot a year ago and in the weeks after that. It 
kind of died out for too long and too much. Uh, but so for my listeners who aren't familiar with the chronology of what happened, Jamie Joe, explain how Oakley came into your life and then how she was taken away and put into such grave danger by, in my view, by the state of Washington. Sure. So um, Oakley came to us in um, late August of 2017. And um, we, we aren't really told as to why she was put into foster care. We were just told by a family friend that a baby needed a home. And then she came to us and she was with us um, for almost three years. Um, so from the time she was seven months until days before her third birthday. And it was a lot of that time we were told that we would get to adopt Oakley, that um, the change, the plan had changed from return home to adoption. And so while we never started adoption paperwork, um, that was just what our social worker had told us. And that's what all of our court paperwork says. So you can imagine my husband, myself, our family, we were really excited that we would get to have Oakley with us forever. So when um, they... And about a month. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's just about a month before, um, about maybe a month and a half before Oakley was returned home permanently, we were told that Oakley was going to go home. So a very short time to kind of prepare um, for her to go back, um, unfortunately. And then she was back permanently in November of 2019. Okay, she was returned to her biological parents, Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers. Uh, and I know that, that frightened you greatly. You, you had severe concerns and doubts about whether they would be able to take care of Oakley the way that uh, your family was. Right. So, um, you know, she had pretty consistent visits with them, but there were still some red flags I saw when Oakley would come home from visits and I would bring it up to the social worker about the food she was eating or, you know, were they changing her appropriately? And um, then it came to the time where she came home from a visit and said that she saw some violence and um, everything was just pretty brushed off when I brought up those concerns. And where are those two now, Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers? Because uh, they've been very uncooperative as the search for Oakley continues. Right. So Andrew was released from the Grace Harbor County Jail on August 3rd of this year, and we don't know his whereabouts. Um, and then Jordan is set to be released um, from her um, female prison, and that's going to be on January 15th. Yeah. So, so they're both going to be walking free uh, just over a month from now. Right. It's amazing. And how many other kids do do Carlson and Bowers have? Um, they have a total of three. Well, and, and I, mean, I know that Oakley, there were aside from Oakley. Right. I know yeah. that there were great concerns about their other children as well. So, how, as the state was trying to evaluate, and there should only be one criteria in this evaluation process, and that's what is best for Oakley. And you had parents right. with a criminal history uh, and, and all kinds of doubts surrounding them, and then we have this loving family that you had provided. How in the world did the state of Washington make this decision? I, I mean, I ask myself that every day because it's, it's such a joke that, I mean, there were domestic violence um, reports there were things that weren't done appropriately. And when the state of Washington, um, the ombuds office said that there weren't any findings um, in Oakley's case, that is such a joke to me because I can find the findings where like RCWs were not followed. So the, there were a lot of things that should have, should have happened that unfortunately didn't happen. 
Well, and I know that they were accused of exposing their kids to, to meth. They didn't give right. necessary medication to one of their babies for 15 months. Uh, and mm-hmm. neither one of them has been charged at all in Oakley's disappearance, correct? Correct. Yeah, so, now so there's um, you've raised, and those who love Oakley have raised $85,000. Uh, why do you think that will make a difference when just the love of a child has not provided a pathway to figure out what happened with her? Uh, somebody has got to know something with what happened to Oakley. Somebody has to know. I'm sure, you know, Jordan ran around a lot with people in casinos. Um, you know, she was in the drug scene, as was Andrew. And so somebody knows something, and they're probably just afraid to come forward and say what maybe they overheard or maybe what Jordan or Andrew said about Oakley. But it's it's my little girl, and maybe Jordan and Andrew don't care about her, but I care about her and my family cares about her. And that $85,000 could be yours if it led to Oakley's location. And I should add, you're, you're hoping to add to that $85,000. you are you are doing a fundraiser this afternoon, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yep. In Montesano for the uh, Montesano Festival of Lights, they are having um, a table at uh, the Montesano Community Center. And there's going to be cookies and cocoa and coffee and the opportunity to donate to Oakley's Reward Fund. And so, uh, as I said, this week would have been Oakley's sixth birthday. Did she have any memories when she was removed from your home and put back with the biological parents? Did she have any memory of life with those two people uh, when she was taken away, or was she just terrorized as she was being taken away from you and, and your husband, and your family? God, I, I honestly, I just pray that, like when Oakley was scared or you know um, afraid that she, or, or being hurt, I hope that she thought about us, you know and. That, that's hurtful to say to me, but I hope that she clung to, like, the love that we provided for her um, because my husband and I worked really hard to make sure that she always felt safe and loved with us. And, um, you know, she would have never have experienced anything like that um, had she stayed with us. Every time you and I have talked, you've held out hope that, that Oakley is still alive. And, and I mean, are, are you still clinging to that? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like any any true loving mom is going to hold out hope until they're they're given a definite. Do you have a scenario that you envision that would yield that that miracle? I mean, that would be a miracle at this point. But do you have a scenario you envision where where she she might still be someplace and could still be reunited with you? I mean, in my mind, I I mean, this is still horrible to think. Um, but I just have a scenario that maybe she was trafficked. Maybe she was sold. I know that there isn't any evidence that points to that. Um, but I still in my head just think that if that's what I can cling to in order to maybe have that dream of someday seeing her again, then I'll think of that until um, evidence or something else tells tells me otherwise. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I wish every day that I get the phone call saying that they um, either found her alive or that they found her remains so we can have some kind of closure because I can't go the rest of my life wondering if she's out there or if she's not. Well, and and no matter what, uh, you, you, finding Oakley might help them convict and you know, whether she is alive or not, uh, they, they might get enough evidence because the, a five-year-old doesn't just disappear and some adult 
has to be held accountable. And Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers, the biological dad and mom, they, they still have not been charged with anything. So, uh, so I would hope that as you continue down this path and if it yields that miraculous result, I would hope that there would be something that would point back to these parents because it's unimaginable that they are not involved in this. Right. And I, and I also hope, you know, with that, it's two-sided, right? Like I want Jordan and Andrew to be held accountable, but I want the state to be held accountable also. Um, I hear, I get so many heartbreaking messages from foster parents telling me how, how do I fight for my, my foster child? Um, You know, they're, they're being put back into a bad situation and nobody's listening to me and, and I don't know how to help people. And that's, that's so sad for me and it's sad for them. And I think that the state is just, they're they're turning a, an eye or a cheek to it because they don't want to they don't want to see that they need to be held accountable for this and they they will be. Yeah, no, unquestionably, DCYF has has just absolutely blown this entire case from the beginning and and Jay Inslee should should has Jay Inslee ever spoken about? I never hear him talk about this. No, he's never he's never responded to me. He's never said Oakley's name. Nothing. Amazing. All right, you and your family will continue to be in my prayers, Jamie Joe, and and uh, if people want to go and help out and add to that reward fund, the Montesano Festival of Light this afternoon and evening, five to seven o'clock. Uh, you can go and contribute. Jamie Joe, we'll stay in touch. God bless you. All right, thank you so much, Dory. Okay, Jamie Joe Hiles, the stepmom for Oakley Carlson, and we have lots more to come. Love to hear your thoughts on this. You can text me at triple eight ninety seven three Cairo triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. Lots more to come here on the Dory Monson Show. The clock is a ticking. Uh, you know, we just. In talking with Oakley Carlson's foster mom, it does illustrate, and this was coincidence that this is the one-year anniversary of her disappearance, but we are also doing our Foster Child Holiday Magic event this week here at Cairo Radio. For 34 years, we've partnered with Treehouse to help make sure that foster kids have uh, something under the tree. Also, some of their mentoring programs. If you were listening a few days ago, I talked to uh, an 18-year-old young man, and it was a mentoring program that got him through high school and is giving him a chance to build his own life. And all these kids in the foster care system, like Oakley, they start life with some strikes against them. But uh, we want to we wanna do whatever we can. So it's a great way to kick off the Christmas season for us. I hope it is for you. And you can make a donation uh, up until 11.59 tonight. We have auction items up at mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. Okay? And they're great items up for bid. You can go do a, a show visit with any of the other shows on Cairo Radio. I didn't do a show visit uh, because uh, Tom Nelson, my friend, Tom's going to join me about an hour from now, but Tom Nelson from theoutdoorline.com, he is going to take you and a guest and me and Nicole, uh, we're going to go out on his boat after the show someday next July, August, September, when the, he he tells me, the pinks? 
He said there's going to be about 3 million pink salmon coming through Puget Sound. And uh, I think he calls them humpies. The humpy salmon. And there may be some coho and silver then, too. But he's going to put his crab pots down. And we're going to go out on either a Monday or a Thursday. Because apparently those are the days you can pull up the crab pots. And so uh, we'll get you some salmon, hopefully. can never guarantee it. But we'll get you some salmon. We'll get you some crab. Uh, and we'll we'll have a little bit of uh, socializing. So uh, Tom Nelson, Joey Pyburn from the Outdoor Line, Nicole and I will be your hosts and you and a guest. And we'll go out and do some salmon fishing and crabbing. So if you want to bid on that, we have just over 11 hours to go. You go to mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic, and then you'll see a link for the auction items. Click on that, and if you want to make a bid, we just have, I haven't checked for a couple of hours. Let me see where, where our salmon fishing trip is. Holy moly! Wow! Guacamole! Wow, thank you for your generosity. Okay, but you can still be more generous. And go out salmon fishing with us. So mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. And we'll go get you some uh, salmon and crab. And, man, judging from the bids on this trip, this will be the most expensive salmon and crab you've ever had in your life. But, but no, the companionship. It's about the companionship. You, me, hanging out, floating on the water. Brotherhood, sisterhood. I'll be the sister, no matter your time. Okay, uh, we're going to check the news for you here at the top of the hour. And then the fastest 15. That is coming up next as the Dory Monson Show rolls on.